We're in a brand new series called If You're Not Ready, You're Perfect, and uh, we actually did this series about six years ago, and we're going to preach it a little bit different this time around, but we, um, that's, you know, if you've been a Christ follower or walked with the Lord for any amount of time, you kind of feel like that's the way it goes with the Lord. That's the way that he uses you, like, God, I'm not, I'm not ready, I don't quite feel comfortable, and he's like, perfect, let's go, you know, and uh, the scripture tells us that when we feel weak, that's when he gets to step into our life and be strong. When you look all throughout scripture, you see, you know, God has used people who said, I'm not ready. I'm not quite ready. And he's like, let's go. And uh, we see, you know, like Mary and Joseph, you know, the angel comes to them and says, hey, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. And Mary and Joseph are like, hey, we, we missed a couple steps here. We just got engaged. There's a few things missing. Moses, he's kind of throwing a pity party. He's walking around in the desert. And the scripture says that the burning bush appears. And uh, he's like, whoa, look at that. It's burning bush. And it starts to speak to him. It's like, yeah, you're going to deliver my people. You know this thing. And he goes, hold on. I'm not ready for that which we're actually going to talk about that passage coming up in this series. But he starts to give all these excuses about, well, hey, I'm not ready. I'm not your guy. I'm not put together for this. And uh, he's like, no, we're going to do this. Even David, scripture says that he's a shepherd boy. He's out just tending to the land, taking care of sheep. And he shows up on the battlefield. He wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared. He wasn't trained for that. But that was God's assignment. That was God's purpose in his life. And God used him even when he didn't feel ready. And many of your testimonies are the same way. You're like, hey, I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. I didn't even sign up for this. But then God used me in a mighty way. And, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about because we are living in a time and an hour where the world is begging for the church to rise up and take its place. Can I get an amen? How many of you remember when you used to play, ready or not, here I come? Like that's where we are as a church is uh, it's time for us to go. And so one of the things I want to talk specifically about today is, um, is fear. One of the things that holds us back from stepping into. We want to kick it off talking about fear. One of the things that really holds us back from stepping into what God has for us is fear. Uh, my kids, uh, one of the things that I just absolutely hate uh, is, uh, is pulling out teeth. Like for, for my kids, my son, uh, he's seven years old and he's tough. He's like a tough guy. And uh, as a matter of fact, like I one time was wrestling with him. He only has sisters, so he doesn't have a brother. So the only time he's going to wrestle, it's with me. And I don't hold back. I, I beat him up. I put him in the figure four lock. I'll make him tap out. I don't care. And one time we were wrestling and I noticed on the bed, I was throwing him around on the bed. And all of a sudden I noticed on the bed, um, there was like red starting to happen everywhere. And I was like, um, stopped him. And I was like, buddy, Charlie, I was like, are you bleeding? He was like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm bleeding. And I was like, dude, you should have told me. Mom's going to be really mad at me. <laughs> you know, like he's a really tough guy. But when it comes to like pulling out teeth, he's, he's just the worst. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. He's like the kid, and I'm going to grow some people out. But he's the kid like with his tooth. It's so loose. It's just flopping right there, just dangling. Like he, like he closes his mouth, and it's still just sticking out. And one time we were uh, at Disney, and he had a tooth that was loose. And he was like, he was like I, I want to lose this tooth at Disney. This is where I'm going to lose it. It's going to be a big deal to lose your tooth at Disney. And, and so he was telling his, brother, his sisters and telling us, like, he was like, oh, tonight dad's going to rip out my tooth gonna rip it out tonight and so we all gather around dad's and so i'd get ready to do it and he'd be like wait 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 i'm not ready i'm not ready just wait and then he i need a drink of water first okay here's your drink of water okay now go to do it again wait 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 my kids have been sick the last week and um, a couple of them and and so same thing with medicine it's like okay you got to take this medicine here's this little cup okay you ready and so get ready to drink it Wait, wait, wait. I got to let the dog out first. Hold on. This is so aggravating. And I'm going to tell you a really terrible story about my parenting. But my son had this tooth issue again. It's sticking out. It's just flopping there. And we're golfing. And, and he's sitting in the cart with me. And every time I look over at him, he's just got his tongue on this floppy tooth. 
so disgusting. It's just flopping out right there. And so he had his Nintendo Switch with him. And I'm not ready. Don't rip it out. I'm not ready. And so he had his Nintendo Switch, just his little game console. And, and I hit a shot. And, and I come back to the cart. And he was now laying across the seat, holding on to his Switch. And I said, oh, this is perfect. And so when I got into the cart, I sat down on his hands and his Switch. And I just went and popped the tooth. It's like, damn it. Oh, it's gone. Like, so, but if I wouldn't have done that, it would have been, Dad, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And I thought about, that's how we are as Christians. God is like, no, you are ready, you are able. It's time to go, hold on, God, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. How many know what I'm talking about? God wants to use us. He said, oh, hold on, I'm not quite ready. I need to let the dog out, I need to think. I was like, no, it's time to go. Can I get an amen? Most people miss what God has for them because they're afraid. They're either afraid of the unknown. I'm not sure what it's going to be. God, just a minute, I'm not sure. Hold on a minute. Or we let the past Oh, God, I can't go there. I can't do that. I can't be used by you because of this thing that happened back here. And so we have fear of maybe the past representing itself. We also live in fear because that's what sells right now. Anybody that's going to click on an article or anybody that's going to turn on the news, it's fear that is selling. New data suggests, it comes up on the thing, new data suggests that at an alarming rate, this is happening. And you go, oh my gosh, at an alarming rate, what does that mean? Or you read this and say, if this trend continues, it ought to terrify you that we're heading into, and you go, oh my gosh, what is it? Because it sells and it sells. You know these news things that you turn on, these, these stations, and they sell you fear, fear, fear. How I many know the political ads? Thank God the political ads are going to be over in a couple weeks. Oh, wait, as soon as they're over, we're going to start two more years of political ads. And what are they selling you? Fear, division, fear, fear. They're setting in this. I believe this when the scripture says that in the last days, in the last days, there's going to be seducing spirits, evil spirits that are going to try to trick you and manipulate, manipulate you. I believe one of those spirits is going to be the spirit of fear. Can I get an amen? Because this world needs a bold church. This world needs a bold people. And if we can believe the lie of fear and, and worry and anxiety, if we can buy into that, we won't be the church that God's called us to be. Can I get an amen today? So the scripture calls the enemy, the devil, Satan, Hasatan, they call him the accuser of the brethren, somebody who comes in and spreads lies and false accusations, and he whispers these things into you. We all know the acronym for fear is it's false evidence appearing real. Fear, all of these things you're told, they're not reality. It's all of these myths, truths being sold to you. Why? So that you don't walk in the purpose that God has called you to walk in. Even in the church now, it's crept in. I get articles from different leadership magazines and things like that. And I pulled just a few of them. One of them said seven staggering statistics every pastor must know. And you go, oh my gosh, what are these statistics? Another one said four paralyzing problems the church will face in the upcoming year. And it sells fear and sells fear and sells fear. And why is it so important for us to understand fear? Because we know this, fear kills. Fear will kill a relationship. Fear will kill your workplace. Fear will kill your marriage. If you live and operate your parenting out of a place of fear, it's going to kill your ability to raise your children in the way that God has called them to. Well, I don't want to hold them according to the standard of God's word because I'm worried that if I do that, they won't like me. And if they don't like me, then they won't. Blah, blah, blah. And now we've compromised. You know what I'm talking about today? Fear. It's this, it's this living in fear. I, I remember hearing it one time saying that fear is the dark place where we develop all of our negatives. You just sit and live in fear and you live in that dark place of fear and it develops all of those negatives that you have going on in your head and in your heart. We can't be a people who live in fear. Can I get an amen today? The scripture mentions fear 
365 times. You've probably heard this before. There is either a fear not or a do not fear for every single time, every single day of the year. It's like heaven wants you to wake up every single day and say, okay, today and this day, I'm going to make sure that I'm not a person who's living and operating from a place of fear. 365 times. It's actually the most commanded uh, thing in scripture. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Uh, it's the number one tactic of the enemy is to get you to be afraid. God says, be bold. And the enemy says, be afraid. The number one command of scripture is do not be afraid. It's not our nature, though, to be people uh, who, who, you know, naturally you don't come out being a person who's, who's bold. Uh, but I'll say it this way. Fear is not your nature in God. When you're in Christ, when you're in him, fear should not be your nature. But in the natural world, it is. I begin to think about this when we go to Disney World and we're trying to get our kids to go on rides and they're young and they're first figuring out how to, you know, go on these different kind of scary rides and big roller coasters. The first couple of times, you know, they were, no, you should go on this ride. I'm like, I don't want to go on that ride. It's going to be scary. We did terrible parenting. We were like, listen, you're more likely to crash on the plane on the way home or die in the car on the way home. And then we're trying to get them to go home and they were afraid of that too. (laughs) But trying to tell them, like, there's no way this thing is going to crash or anything like that. What I found to find more progress with the kids is to say, hey, honey, listen, you know dad would never ask you to go on something that's going to hurt you, right? Yeah, you're right. You know dad would never make you go on something that that you're going to hate and that you're going to be upset about. Now, mom might make you do that, but I would never do that. That's what she did to me uh, on our anniversary. I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of roller coasters and all that. And she's like, hey, wouldn't it be fun to go on a trip on our anniversary? And so for just seven days, tortured me on all these rides. And she didn't do that. I wouldn't make you do anything that you would hate. She was like, you're doing it. (laughs) Still working through that, as you can tell. But I got some progress with the kids. I said, listen, as your father, you know that I'm not going to make you do anything that would hurt you. And you know that heaven says the same thing to you. God's God's saying, hey, trust me on this. I'm not going to call you into anything that's going to harm you. Can I get amen today? God's saying, you got to trust me. He's given us the scriptures to say, look, I'm with you in this. There's no reason to fear because I'm going to be your guide. Amen. Write this down in your notes. Fear is appreciating the enemy's ability. Whenever we live in fear and we hold on to fear, fear is appreciating the enemy's ability. You have the opportunity to trust God and go with what God has called you to. Or when you live in fear, you're over here saying, ah, the enemy might be able to pull this off. I'm worried it might not turn out the way that I want. I'm putting faith in his ability to be able to take me out in this. Or we can say, no, God said it and I trust it. I believe it and it's going to come to pass. Can I get an amen today? Isaiah chapter 51 verse 12 talks about how fear is not our nature. Verse 12, it says this. I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mere mortals? Like, what are you doing that you fear the things of the world? Human beings who are but grass, and you forget the Lord your maker, who stretches out the heavens and who lays the foundations of the earth, that you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? Scripture saying, hey, how is it? That you're being somebody who's forgetting who I am. You're looking at the things of the world. You're looking at all of the daily concerns of all this stuff. And you're letting that fear take over. Don't you know that I'm the God who stretches the heaven and lays the foundations? Can I get an amen? Why are you letting terror set in and fear set in? And you're missing out on what God has for you because you're buying into the oppressor. Isaiah 54, 13 says this. All your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. 
One of the natures of us as Christ followers and people who live in the ways of God is peace should be a product of that relationship. Verse 14, in righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you. This is what the scripture is saying here. It's saying there's going to be fear. There's going to be scary stuff out there turn on the news, jump on the internet, whatever you're going to do, you're going to see fear out there. But the scripture has given us a promise as the children of God, that fear doesn't have to come near you. That fear doesn't have to get into your heart. It doesn't have to get into your psyche. Scripture saying as a children of God, peace should be your thing. Even though fear is there, it doesn't need to get near. Amen. I grew up in church and uh, back in the day, uh, fear used to be talked about in a very negative way. Uh, We weren't very good at sort of processing the emotion of fear. And so people would grow up and not like my parents or anybody wouldn't really put this on us. But I remember that there was a season and there was an era that if anybody ever admitted that they were afraid of something, you would get jumped on and say, no, you are not afraid. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. And you could never admit that you were afraid could never admit that you ever had a feeling of fear. And the more that I begin to look at scripture, the more that I realized, you know what, it's actually okay for us to be aware. And, and, and so I'm feeling a feeling of fear, but it's how you respond to it that really matters to the Lord. Can I get an amen? So he's saying that fear is there, but we're not going to let it get close. David said it this way in Psalm 56. He said, whenever I'm afraid, whoa, David got afraid. Whoa. What did you do, David? When you got afraid, what did you do? Whenever fear tried to come near, he said, whenever I felt afraid, he said, my position and my reaction was that I then trusted God. Oh boy, that fear's creeping in. I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know how we're going to go forward. I don't know if they're going to stay with me. I don't know if they're going to leave me. I don't know what's going to happen here. I got this fear coming in. You know what I'm going to do? Here's how I'm going to react. I'm going to trust the Lord. It's possible. I wrote it down like this. It's possible for you to have faith and fear at the same time. It's possible for you to be a person who said, I'm feeling afraid, however, I'm gonna react in faith. I don't feel ready. I don't feel ready. God says, that's okay. If you react in faith and you trust me, I can use you. Can I get an amen today? It's not wrong for us to have fear. It's dangerous for us to let fear be the foundation of your decision or your reactions. Worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. I'm worrying, I'm worrying, I'm anxious, I'm worrying, I'm worrying. You're putting so much stock and energy and effort into something that may never come to pass. Why? Because the scripture says uh, that, that he is the accuser of the brethren, but he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a destroyer. He's a liar. Are you with me? Uh, I, I wrote it down like this. Uh, how would you treat a friend who's lied to you as much as fear does? Every time fear comes into your life, it's a lie. Fear is a lie. Many of you know this. It's a a quote that we say all the time. Fear, you got to tell yourself this. This fear comes into your life and you say, hold on, fear. You're a liar. Imagine if a person in your life, every single time they came to you, lied to you. You're like, I got a friend like that. Every single time someone comes in and lies to you, how long would you continue that relationship? Well, why do we continue a relationship with fear when it's continually lying to us? Am I telling the truth today? Jesus gives us a, a great teaching. He gives us this great reaction on, uh, on how we should respond when we're fear, feeling fearful. Matthew chapter 14, the scripture says that Jesus sends the disciples ahead on a boat. 
Uh, it's nighttime. If you've ever been on a boat uh, at night, it's sketchy. I like being on a boat. I also like being out at night. None of those things bother me. But if you combine the two, it gets a little scary. Uh, my family and I, we um, we go up to Lake Charlevoix. It's a pretty big size lake um, way up north. And uh, we camp on the Boyne City side uh, of this lake. And we get in my dad's boat and we go to the other side of the lake and we watch fireworks. Of course, fireworks happen at night. And so we shoot off the fireworks. And then this is how stupid we are. Um, it's, it's, we just get in this boat and uh, they shoot the fireworks and now it's dark. So you're on the boat and it's dark. And, uh, and we have to go all the way back to the other side. Now, when I say all the way back to the other side, uh, my dad just told me in between services, it takes us about 45 minutes. You're on the lake for 45 minutes and you can't see much if you've ever been out on the water. And this was our strategy to get back to the place we needed to go. We just left a flashlight on the shore that we left. Okay, we'll find that. And then the other thing we decided to do is, oh, we'll just follow Google GPS on our phones because, you know, cell service is really good up north. We're just going to follow this thing along. And uh, it's really sketchy. It's really scary. Uh, What makes it also scary it's like when another boat goes by, if you've ever been out on the lake and a boat goes by and the waves like come rolling at you, you got, got to know how to hit those. Well, in the dark, you don't see the waves. Like I was in here, they come, you don't know. And so it's super sketchy. And so we do that. And of course, we bring all the young children with us while we do that. And, uh, and it's sketchy. And so Jesus does this to them. He's like, hey, we're going to send them out in the dark. We're going to send them out on a boat in the dark in the lake, which is already a sketchy thing. But I believe he wants to test their natural reaction in a fearful situation. You know, the scripture says that Jesus came to bring you life and bring it to you more abundantly. Jesus came to show us how to live. So I love that he throws these tests at the disciples. Hey, I'm going to do something and then I'm going to show you how you should properly react in these scenarios. And this is what we get here in the story. Matthew 14, 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus said to them, you terrible Christians, how dare you be afraid? You must not be very good Christians that you allowed yourself to get fearful. No, he says, take courage. It's okay that you had a moment of fear, but how you respond to it is what matters. Jesus never said, don't get afraid. He said, don't, don't, don't let it be the place that you react from. So he says, take courage. It is I. He didn't lash out at them. Uh, and then I love this in verse 28. So here's Peter's reaction. Oh man, there's Jesus out there. And Jesus says, take courage in this fearful situation. I can respond not in fear. I can respond in faith. And so he says back to Jesus, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. What does Peter say? Peter says, I'm in this fearful situation. You know what I need in this fearful moment of life? I need to hear God's voice. Anytime you find yourself in a fearful situation, what you need to do is say, God, I need to hear your voice in this moment. Lord, speak to me in this moment. Can I get an amen? Unfortunately, what we do most of the time is we get in a scary, fearful, terrifying situation like them, and we call up Sister Bucket Mouth instead of going to the Lord. Can you believe what I'm going through? And then she says, blah, 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 blah. or you call up your buddy and you're like, I'm going through this thing. And he's like, yeah, man, whatever. I don't care. Instead of running to the voice of the Lord who can actually do something. Can I get an amen today? Are you with me this morning? You're not with me. That's okay. First service was kind to me. I like them better than you. Just kidding. I like third service. You don't know about them. They're underground. Just kidding. I wrote it down like this. You'll always get to do the extraordinary when you react in faith over fear. Do you know, to my knowledge, only two people have ever walked on water, Jesus Christ and Peter. 
everybody had the same opportunity. Jesus said, hey, come out here on the water. The, if the other 11, if it was 11 that were with him, uh, the other 11 stayed in their place of fear and they missed the opportunity to do the extraordinary because they stayed in a place of fear. Uh, I thought about it like this. Verse 30 says this, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. He goes from a place of faith sets his eyes on Jesus' word, begins to go out. But then in that process, for some reason, he begins to listen to the extra. I'm going to listen to the thunder. I'm going to listen to the waves. Maybe there was the 11 in the boat saying, Peter, what are you doing walking on water? You know you can't walk on water. You know you're not Jesus. You know you can't do that. Oh, you're a religious person now. Look at you. You think you're some kind of big deal? And he begins to listen to that. And the scripture says that he began to sink. I'll close with this. He began to sink. He took his eyes off. Of Jesus, But here's Jesus' reaction, which I love. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and judged him. Peter sinks and Jesus reached out his hand and goes, look at you stepping back into fear again. I can't believe you're a fear person and not a faith person. No, Jesus reached out his hand and he says it to you this way. Oh, Peter, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? He says it from a very kind parenting way, like, Peter, you had it. Man, why did you doubt? Shoot, you were right there, man. Why'd you take your eyes off it? And that's Jesus' response to us too. We step out of a place of fear into a place of faith and maybe we mess up a little bit. Maybe we let ourselves have a bad day. Jesus isn't right there to be like, I can't believe you messed it up. He's saying, no, you got this. Why'd you take your eyes off me? Let's go. Are you with me today? Winston Churchill says this. He says, fear and faith are two forces very similar. They have the ability and the power to create something out of nothing, bringing into being that which doesn't exist. I'm here to tell it to you this way today. You're kind of spending the same amount of energy one way or another. If you want to live in fear and worry and anxiousness and wonder, or you can say, God, I believe that your word says that by faith I can have things that I'm, that I'm hoping for. I can have, I can use that same energy believing that your word is true and that you're good toward me. Can I get an amen? Psalm 34, 4 says this, I sought the Lord, kept my eyes on the Lord. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Isaiah 41, 13, for I, the Lord, your God will hold your right hand saying, fear not, I will help you. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't got it all put together. It's like, I got your hand. Fear not. I'll help you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse six says, so we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man or what can this world do to me? Nothing because the Lord is our helper. I'm not ready. That's okay. God's got us because when we feel weak, he's strong. Amen. I'm going to pray for us all here, but I believe it to be true. What I said earlier is that in these last days, there is an attack on believers. There is an attack for people to not walk in the fullness that God has called us to. And I just want to pray against it. You know that the scripture says that if we resist the enemy, he shall flee. So you might be in here this morning and you might be somebody who's, who's battling fear right now. Just that anxiousness. Just maybe you're facing a big decision or maybe you've already gone through a, a change or something going on in your life. You say, man, this fear is just crippling me. I want to pray that we resist that spirit of fear and that we find freedom in him. Amen? Let's all pray together. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. God, we just come against anyone who may be walking in that spirit of fear. Lord, maybe they have a doctor's diagnosis, or maybe they have a 
change happening in their life or in their workplace or in their home life. God, we just pray against that spirit of fear right now. And we say that it must flee by the authority of Jesus Christ. Lord, the work that you did on the cross came to set us free. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.